All right. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, everyone. I have a cold, so I sound weird. Well, (laughs) (laughs) so real quick, Christian Bale lost a lot of weight for this movie, and there's a video of him on YouTube of him going on an angry tirade. Now that that's out of the way, we watched (laughs) The Machinist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... (laughs) I wanted to get those things out of the way so we don't harp on them right. for the whole podcast. I, I mean, the fair fair enough to get the whole Christian Bale's weight thing out of the way. It it does it does merit some discussion. Yeah, but, but I, I don't want to sit here and talk about that for the whole podcast. Yeah, it, it would be easy to do. Um, long story short, he ate. He lost a lot of weight. He he got down to like one ten. Yeah, one ten by eating. Uh, an apple. An apple, a can of tuna. And a cup of coffee every day. Yeah, and other than that, it was just water. So he literally starved himself. Great. <laughs> so we watched The Machinist, starring Christian Bale and uh, sundry others. Yeah. Um, Chris, what do you think of the film this week, sir? Uh, so me and this film go way back. Um, nope. Uh, uh, nope. Sorry. Uh, so me and this film go way back uh, in a way. I probably watched this at the beginning of high school for me. and A recurring theme. Yeah, actually it is. <laughs> Weirdly enough. Um, it, uh, it, I would say that this movie influenced my uh, creative works. Uh, really? Yeah, for, for a very... Long time going forward. Interesting. Okay. Um, Go ahead and summarize it because I have some stuff that I want to say right off the bat. Okay. So, this movie uh, starts off with uh, with Christian Bale disposing of a body and ends with him going to prison. You might yep. <laughs> think that there's not a lot between those things, but you would be wrong. Uh, so well, chronologically, there's actually not. No, well, all depends on it's how. It's a flashback. You... It's a flash forward. Yeah, but it it's a flash forward, but it's also the actual starting point of the movie. Like the events seem of the to movie move... are a flashback, I guess. Yeah, the the events of the movie seem to flow chronologically from that point, but that's kind of one of the things. Anyway, um. Chronology is fucked in this movie, um, but uh, you uh, once once uh, Christian Bale's finished uh, disposing of the body and maybe flubbing that act, you kind of get to know him as a character. Um, he he seems to get out of his predicament somehow. You don't really see how. Uh, you uh, you find out that he is a. Uh, machine operator at a mill, I believe, and he has not slept in a year. Like he, he's had, he's struggled with insomnia for a year. He uh, people are starting to become concerned because he is ridiculously skinny and emaciated looking. He frequently uses, utilizes the services of a call girl named Stevie, and that's just kind of his life uh, up until he is responsible for an accident that loses a fellow uh, mill worker his arm, 
and uh, everything goes to shit after that. He starts becoming paranoid. He starts meeting a character named Ivan that no one else seems to be aware of or acknowledge. And uh, he almost has an accident of his own, which he starts blaming other people on. He grows increasingly paranoid. And uh, eventually, at the height of his paranoia and, and as he's doing crazy things, like throwing himself in front of traffic to figure out what's going on, you realize that he... Uh, has in fact been making several plot elements up entirely, including uh, whole swatches of the movie revolving around people that he's met. Um, and he's essentially just been this insane guy uh, who has been revisiting the same areas and not talking to people uh, out of guilt uh right at the very end of the movie the movie kind of explains what's going on he is being driven crazy by guilt and uh that guilt is uh uh the guilt kind of takes the form of ivan right yeah ivan ivan is an embodiment of the guilt you figure out but uh the, the guilt winds up being because he committed a hit-and-run which killed a small child and he never faced up to that and just kind of blocked it out and continued on with his life. <coughs> but um, he, uh, he, he, he does that, he realizes it, and he turns himself into the police and... Finally goes to sleep. Yeah, he finally is able to go to sleep again. I'm trying to think if I if I missed anything. No, that's about important. it. Uh, Watch big, the movie. I'm big, pretty sure it's on Netflix. Big motifs. It is on Netflix. Uh, I can verify. Um, uh, big motifs in this movie are. Uh, even before you realize that he himself committed a hit and run, uh, big motifs are uh, hit and runs, vehicles, um, and uh, guilt, as represented usually by a hanging man. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of there, there are a lot of little like ironic twists um, done. Not necessarily in service of the plot, uh, and uh, there there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of dialogue in this movie ends up on subsequent watchings being like double talk. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, so, so. cool. So <laughs> there are aspects of this movie that are very derivative of other <laughs> movies. Yes, <laughs> the foremost of those in my mind being. Um, Fight Club, right? Which has many parallels, including a direct parallel. I'm not sure if it was intentional or not. Um, both movies in, involve the line "No one's ever died from insomnia," yes. and both movies involve doppelgangers representing some secret emotion um, being involved in the life of the protagonist. Um, unbeknownst to them that it's actually them and one of their 
personality traits or emotional whatever uh, taking what they believe to be a physical manifestation. Right. Um, there's also... Well, that's pretty much it. That's the main... That's the main thing with Fight Club. I, I, uh, there, there are some things that I had never actually noticed before. I've probably watched this movie a total of like, counting this maybe six times. Okay. Uh, and as with a lot of these movies that I haven't watched uh, a lot since high school, this this was my first time in a pretty long. I mean, not as long. Not like Bill and Ted, where it was like. A kid, yeah. Yeah, this was like, I I probably watched this two years ago. Um, It's, uh, I I, I noticed some things. The director actually seems to be really into a use of illusion. Not, yeah, not necessarily in service of a lot of things. Uh, The main character's name is Trevor Resnick, which uh, the director pretty much pointed out uh, was uh, based on Trent Reznor. Uh, Which, you know, whatever. Your character's got to have a name. But uh, there's also a thing... um, I read there was originally supposed to be more Nine Inch Nails references in the script. Such as, like, (laughs) direct quotes from songs and stuff like that. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, there's also a very prominent, uh, like you see it like three or four times, like featured very prominently in the shot, a copy of Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Idiot, yep. which I've never read all of, but Memory Serves has nothing to do with like the way that this movie So really... IMDb, IMDb Trivia <laughs> told me that... There are characters in that book named Ivan, or so sorry, named Marie and Ivan. I think. Okay, so the two characters that he makes up, he pulls their names out yeah. of the idiot, uh, which is kind of cool. Fair enough. If he was enough. just reading that, I mean, that works. Yeah, which he was. I mean, every time you see it, he's reading it. Um, so, um, so, all right. So derivative. Um, there, there's also what I think might be an allusion to Macbeth. Uh, in the beginning of the movie, he is constantly washing his hands and other things with bleach. Yes. He seems to have an obsession with bleach, almost. Uh, I, I think it might be sort of a, a, a buried sort of thing for the whole, you know, out damn spot Lady Macbeth thing. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, he goes to one diner and always orders coffee and pie. That is is a David Lynch Twin Peaks reference directly okay. that it has to be that also happens <laughs> that also happens in Matchstick Men with Nicolas Cage yeah I mean it's not bad it's not a bad little throwaway illusion uh, and there's a tunnel scene that is cut amazingly like the tunnel scene from Willy Wonka the notes reminded me of Memento I haven't seen that movie I haven't seen that movie at all I haven't seen that movie but for like a, a, a piece of it all right. uh, I think it's on our list. I'm pretty sure it is. I think it is. Um, but yeah, that that movie or the notes are feel referential to that. This movie falls into a category <laughs> of what uh, we have referred to before as the 
mid '90s to mid 2000s boon of psychological movies. <laughs> right, um, right. This is squarely in that. This is very squarely in that. Yeah. Um, and it it, it kind of references a lot of them because it's it, it's probably wasn't intentional on the part of the director. But I got a very American Psycho vibe from Christian Bale. That's because that might be Christian Bale in real life. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still not convinced. Sure. But that... There was at least two or three times where you see Christian Bale talk and his facial expressions and, like, the way that he's, like, doing stuff reminded me very heavily of American Psycho. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Which is understandable. Yeah, I mean, uh, this may have been his next, his next role after American Psycho. I I know if that it wasn't the very next, it was right in there. I believe from a, a, a previous googling of this, I, I believe that American Psycho did come first, but I can't remember by how much. Oh well, American Psycho I know came out in two thousand, right? Ish. I think this was like this was oh four four yeah okay so so there was probably a, an odd film or two in there but um pretty much in the same part of his career right um I mean this was definitely I mean two thousand four so this was this was was this this was before Batman Beyond, this was the this was Batman the Begins. the 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 movie directly before Batman Begins right because it was a huge deal that he went from being one oh nine to fucking jacked again yeah <laughs> yeah okay. in a year yeah I remember yeah. that yeah this movie came out in oh <laughs> four Batman Begins came out in oh five right yeah uh yeah so. Man, that's still insane. Um, yeah, I had something that I lost it. Uh, <laughs> so I recall many mentions at the beginning of this movie uh, of you being like, "What is up with the soundtrack?" Right. So I <laughs> I wrote it down, and I eventually. Paralleled it. I, at first, I was like, "This is, reminds me of Looney Tunes," mm-hmm. but I eventually paralleled it a lot to Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and when I was doing my usual between the podcast and the movie uh, IMDb trivia page uh, research, that was intentional. The composer of the score for this movie did it as a direct homage to uh, the composer who did a lot of Alfred Hitchcock's music. Yeah. So yeah, it was actually about halfway through the movie that I realized that, and I felt pretty proud of myself when I uh, was vindicated by the trivia in a way. Yeah, and there are uh, there are definitely shot uh, there there are definitely shooting practices that are very Hitchcocky. There is a uh, there's there are a couple like um, things where. A shot will linger between two cuts, like it, it'll be it'll be a fade transition, and uh, and and you'll see two things competing on the screen. Um, there's one of uh, Christian Bale driving, uh, like his face as he's driving, and his uh, his the the shot of like the front of his vehicle driving through the place. There is also a shot of uh, Maria, the woman who he 
kind of imagines uh, being his uh, being his waitress at the airport diner. There is a uh, shot where her face um, is featured prominently next to a water tower while a the sound of a plane taking off happens, and that is uh, that's actually pretty significant to his narrative that that he's creating. Uh, Maria is based off of the woman whose son he the. The woman whose son he hit. Mm. The water tower is the most prominent landmark feature seen at the intersection, and you see it a lot. And the uh, airport and, uh, and, and the plane taking off sound is always used in the movie to represent, like, an escape sort of thing. Yeah. Like, he, he, has, he has run away from his uh from from his guilt. So, that's that's a particularly Hitchcocky thing. Um the music definitely Planes in general are pretty Hitchcocky. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Um Al- Alfred <laughs> does a lot of plane stuff. Yeah, and uh but but I do think that there is there is definitely like a Looney Tunes element to the <laughs> to the music, especially in the first half. And I kind of so the the music is always like a really prominent thing. Like the first time, and, and I watched this at a time when I nec- when I didn't necessarily think about the soundtrack of a movie, unless you know someone like a band I knew was on it. Like you know, at at this point, uh, at this point, because I had the Lost Highway soundtrack before I had the movie. Because uh, I saw that like Marilyn Manson was on it and stuff, and David Bowie. So <laughs> unless something like that happened, I didn't really think about the soundtrack to a movie. Um, but like I noticed it in this movie; it's really prominent. And uh, when you had mentioned the Looney Tunes thing, I was like, "All right, well let's let's kind of let's kind of think." about the whole thing in a Looney Tunes sort of like like let's think about it in like a comedy thing a comedy vein and it actually holds up pretty well I think to Looney Tunes sensibilities if you think of guilt as a character if you think of guilt as Bugs Bunny uh mm. so here we go. if you think is if you think of guilt as Bugs Bunny uh, the Trevor, the the Trevor Resnick character, very easily becomes Daffy Duck. It is like toying with him the entire time, yeah. and he goes to ridiculous, nearly comical lengths to try and figure out what is going on and what he should be doing. Uh, I mean. It, you you almost guffaw when he gets hit by a car <laughs> because it's shot yeah, it in such a pretty, like, jarring immediate way. Yeah, it was pretty janky. And he he did so much bodily harm comes to it. like a slide whistle would have made it slapstick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> so I'm not totally willing to uh, to discount any Looney Tunes parallels. Uh, I, I I think it I think it holds up to that line of reasoning a little bit. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this movie. So. What is there to say? 
All right, so but please. So so you've uh, so I I've said that I like this movie. Yeah, pretty much it. I, I will admit I liked it a lot more the very first time I had seen. Sure. It. Um. But uh, but I I think I think that the jury is still still out for you. What what would you say? Coming down at as as a hard binary of like to dislike. Oh. What 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 would you say? For it's you? either a yes or a no. <coughs> like, well, would you watch this again? Let let's let's. Those do are two that. different questions. Would you? <laughs> would you? Okay, would let me you, let me go. Would you time. recommend it? Okay, those are three different questions. Damn it! <laughs> let me. I'll tackle these one at a time. Okay. Do I like it? Yes. Okay. It checks off a lot of boxes of things that I'm into. Right. Uh, this falls squarely into a into a a subset of films as as mentioned the psychological films from that era that I really like. So yes, I like it. Uh, would I watch it again? Probably not for a while. Right. I'll probably let it simmer for a year or two and then give it another spin. I'm not going to go and watch it next week like I do some stuff. Right. Um, would I recommend it? Depends on the person, but probably. <laughs> uh, no, not really. I'd probably recommend it. Yeah, I'd just, say I recommend just, it. Just broadly. Yeah, I'd say I recommend it. It's a it's a good watch. Yeah, it's... I can't uh, think... It's not like old boy where you're like, there's certain people that I know cannot <laughs> see this. Right. Um, right. No, I could I could pretty there are certain people who would be mad if I recommend yeah, absolutely. this to them. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's not like that. Like I, I can say that I would pretty comfortably recommend this to most people. It's okay. a it's a it's a good movie. It's uh... there's something about it that is keeping me from like I think because of how derivative it is, like how shamelessly derivative it is it at is. times. There's that I think is keeping me from putting it in like a higher tier of movies that are like, like your Fight Clubs and your stuff like that that right. are just that are just like the god tier of psychological movies. Classics. But this movie, I mean, it's right there. It's it's on the next tier. I'd say it's in the good. If not if not great, it's good. I I would put this movie with uh, kind of with Jacob's Ladder. Uh, specifically because it's uh, it's another psychological horror movie. Uh, it was probably Jacob's Ladder and Silent Hill were probably which were very influenced by each other. Um, well, no, Silent Hill was influenced by Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder knew nothing about Silent Hill right. because it came like a decade before it um, or something. No, it came in '96. It was surprisingly weird. yeah. The Silent Hill it, it feel it feels like a it feels like an eighties movie yeah. But it's actually pretty solidly a nineties movie yeah. Um, so the Silent Hill games didn't start coming out till like ninety eight ninety nine something like that. And the, movie, uh, the Silent Hill movie didn't come out until like oh five yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So Jacob's Ladder and Silent Hill were probably my only, and I knew I liked them at this point. Uh, they were probably my only introductions to the genre of psychological horror at this point um and uh and i i i would put this directly with jacob's ladder good movie really like it it has issues though uh i think my biggest issue going back because because like i said i was kind of a fanboy of this movie in high school but going back looking at it a little bit more critically uh, I think Ivan is 
borderline a problem with the movie. Yeah. Because he's not... It, it's not like... Like, Fight Club... Okay, so Fight Club directly, like... That, that, was, that was the main, you know... Sorry. I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. In Fight Club... Brad Pitt's character being a representation of the narrator was more of a essential and necessary component to that movie than Ivan is to this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because this movie would be pretty fine without Ivan. Like I Ivan pretty much serves to put to to put Christian Bale's character where Christian Bale needs to be. Yeah. Like whenever whenever the plot needs for Christian Bale to be in another place. Yeah, no. It, and he doesn't have a reason, it either jump cuts because he has insomnia and you're kind of viewing this movie from the from outside his of sort of stream yeah. his sort of stream of consciousness. It'll jump cut and he'll be somewhere else and you won't always know how he got there. Um or if the movie needs him to be somewhere else for a plot thing to like a really important plot thing to happen, he'll see Ivan and start chasing him. Right. Um, so it, it's pretty blatantly for that, and so Ivan can be a manifestation of his guilt. But it didn't necessarily have to happen no, that way. I, the, see, the, the, <laughs> the main difference. The main difference is. The story of Fight Club is predicated on the relationship between the narrator and Tyler Durden. Exactly. Like without that relationship and that and that dynamic, there is no movie. There's no story. Right. This, like, you could have used any plot device in place of Ivan, and it would have probably been the same. Yeah, just I mean, Ivan didn't really add anything to the movie, and there was no other real... other than a creepy antagonist presence. Yeah, but, but there was no real. Like, when you're watching uh, Fight Club, you immediately become attached to Tyler Durden. Yeah. Because he, you know, it's Brad Pitt. He steals the screen. It's like... Yeah. He's... And it, the character is... It's what he's there the for. The character is, <laughs> is intended to be a char- charismatic fucking guy that, you know, people it, are it, down it, to get behind. Which you do it as... Jordan wants to be. <laughs> yeah. You do it as a viewer, and people do it in-universe. So... Yeah. Ivan's character is just a... Sh- shitty person <laughs> like like he's just kind of a dick yeah who's just invades personal space in mysterious creepy ways yeah and that's it that's all he does and he just puts he puts uh christian bell where he needs to be and that's really it yeah and it doesn't no nothing is gained and there's no Closure or story development as far as the actual character of Ivan yeah. is just a weird thing. Yeah, and he, but he takes up enough screen time, and he is enough of a presence. I mean, the actor playing him does a good does job. a great job, yeah, and absolutely. he has a really like powerful yeah, screen no. presence. No shitting on that. Yeah, but but the, the it's just it serves a different purpose than than what Tyler yeah. does. I, Ivan and the narrator being the same person or sorry, Ivan and Trevor being the same person uh really 
and like like it it adds like I said it adds a creepy antagonist and a good screen presence to the movie, but it also puts the movie in kind of an unfair position to be compared against Fight Club. It puts itself <laughs> in that position. Yeah, it puts itself in that position, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, no one could, no one could be faulted for comparing the movie to Fight Club. I mean, I made eleven. Just... I made eleven notes, and three of them. <laughs> were about parallels between this movie and Fight Club specifically. So yeah, it, 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 I mean it. It does it uh, definitely, and I think that that's probably one of its biggest flaws. Because otherwise, it's it's uh, a solid movie. It's good. Yeah, it's shot in a really uh, in a really eerie sort of sterile looking way. Um, the the um. What's the word that I like to use for this? The stylization of it is really good. Yeah, it's uh, and and it and it's got some it's got some really good elements and it's got some uh, good subversion uh, that happens. It uh, it it uses symbols and callbacks very well. Like I said, watching it a second time, you realize a lot of the double talk in the script, which is pretty neat yeah um it it it's got it's got a lot going for it but uh it kind of kneecaps itself in uh being amazingly derivative of fight club and like wow yeah (laughs) and uh and also the last probably five minutes of the movie you don't like that i like that it wraps up I like the way that it wraps up, but it is, I I know that a lot of people, I don't, okay, so I don't mind the way that it wraps up. I know a lot of people probably would. A lot of people, because it, it really, the character Trevor puts together what's happened before the audience does, uh, and it's, and it's not in like an organic way. It is information that has been withheld from us that, that Trevor remembers, and it pretty much uh, dumps the plot. It, it it explains everything really fast, uh, and but everything makes sense. It it's all you know. It's all been set up previously, but but the only reason that you wouldn't have figured it out by now is because of information that's been purposely withheld from you. Um, so that that's you know again I didn't mind it so much uh, I kind of took it for what it was a little bit sloppy but not awful yeah and um, that's and that's all you can really say yeah and I think I think that kind of I think that kind of describes a lot about this movie in general some things are a little bit sloppy but it's it's not a bad movie yeah. it's it's a good way. If you want to feel weird, it's a good story. If you want to feel weird for a night, you know, it's pretty weird. Yeah, seek it out. It's fun. <laughs> so, in other news, I saw Logan this week. Oh, oh my! <laughs> I have not. <laughs> no, no spoilers. No spoilers, obviously. But uh, I thought that not only was it a great comic book movie. Or a great superhero movie, but it was a great movie, even with no context. 
Like, I brought my girlfriend to see X-Men Apocalypse. She had no fucking idea what was going on. Because that movie was nothing but references to the comics and shit. And like, also bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, and the other thing I was going to say is, remember how you were like, it's bad. And I'm like, it's okay. It's it's good. I liked it. Logan is actually, like, really good. Fair like, enough. It's not like that where I'm just trying to save it. Like, it's actually really good. No, I, I keep hearing great things. It's very sad. Hopefully, by the next, uh, by the next uh, Unformatted Review Show podcast that we do, yeah. I will have seen it. Yeah, I don't think it, I, I don't think that one to. Uh, I don't think that one fits like to do for the podcast. No, but but, but I mean it's fun. Yeah, yeah tune it, back tune back in next week, and I it's might. It's not be able a to fun movie you. though. <laughs> I've no one has fun. I've heard it's miserable. I've heard <laughs> it is a slog. Yeah. It is the most gritty and realistic superhero movie that I've ever seen. It makes it makes. Like, well, I don't know. What is the second most gritty superhero movie? Um, uh, wait, are you looking for a Realism. good gritty superhero movie or a gritty superhero movie? Because I can give you a lot of crap gritty superhero movies. Daredevil. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yes, it's good. So <laughs> it's. it's it's very. It feels very real. Uh, it feels very plausible. The whole pr- premise is that you know Logan is old and he's his powers don't really work anymore, and like that's something that you know we can all relate to. We've all seen like people get old and start to break down, and right. it. Uh, I won't go too much more into it, but, right? But it's it's really really good, and it feels very plausible. And uh, it'll fucking rip your heart out. Good, good. <laughs> so that's my that's my mini review on Logan. Is go see it. I oh so what I was gonna say is like uh, like like uh, people who don't know about X Men would have no idea what was going on in X Men Apocalypse. But pe- but you could take someone who doesn't know about X Men to see Logan, and they would still thoroughly enjoy it as just a good movie. Fair Which enough. is pretty cool. A lot of superhero movies, you can't really say that. Fair enough. Um, oh shit, right. we gotta pick a movie uh, for next week. Yeah, we do. Up, um, can you pull up the uh, the uh, list while I get an RNG ready? Uh, or, sure. Or I can do it. No, no, no. You do your RNG thing. All right. It's here. I I have my uh, I can access the list on my phone because, as I think I said in the last one, we are living in the future. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but wait, how do I? Sheets. Oh, here it is. Uh, loading, narrating. Scroll to the bottom and tell me how many there are. I think we're very close to two hundred. I think we're we are at one ninety five. Great. All right, here we go. You ready? Yarp. Seven. Seven. <laughs> okay. Uh. Oh God. It's Kingpin. We're watching Sweet. Kingpin. Yes. Man, that'll be a shift. I love it. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, see you guys next week for Kingpin. Peace.